You're listening to the Attract and Stand Out podcast created for ambitious, heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships, influence others, and make an impact with everyone they meet. I'm your host, Darlene Holly, and I'm a mom of four, a wife, a storyteller, dream builder, and a personal branding and business coach. On the show, you'll hear real conversations about what it means to run your own business, what success actually looks like, and how you can overcome obstacles that get in your way. We're growing businesses with less hustle and more ease, transforming your mindset, and inspiring you to get moving and to follow your dreams. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome back. Are you ready to create a profitable service-based personal brand and business? Download my brand new workbook and you'll learn my signature six-step process to create a successful business with less hustle and more ease. It's got easy action steps ready to implement into your business immediately so that you can start creating a business that you love. Head over to bit.ly backslash attract and stand out online to download your workbook today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Attract and Stand Out podcast. I am your host, Darlene Holly, and I am thrilled to share today's episode with you guys. I have my amazing friend, Kate Donovan, on with me today, and she is a brand new author, and we are going to dive deep into her book today and um, talk about all the things that come up with burnout and um, the bounce back ability and what that's all about. So Kate Donovan is one of New York City's leading burnout experts and acupuncturist. She's also the host of Fried, the burnout podcast. And now, like I just mentioned, the author of the book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, which is gonna help us in burnout, gain resilience and change the world. Her master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine enables Kate to combine Eastern wisdom with her natural practice, Practicity, I can't say that word. Practicality. Practicality, (laughs) thank you so much. Um, After performing more than 25,000 acupuncture treatments, Kate has added one-to-one coaching, corporate workshops, and keynotes for companies such as PTC and Lululemon. I never feel like I say their name right. And she helps them focus on burnout in the workplace. So Kate, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on today and to, to talk about this. It's so much fun always for me to talk to you. We've done podcast exchanges in the past and we did the summit together and I just feel like we always have such a good flow. So I'm so grateful that you would create space for me again. And I know it's such a big deal to share your podcast and your space. So thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, no, this is such a great honor. Um, as you mentioned, like we ha- you've been on my summit a couple of times. I've been on your podcast and I'm just like thrilled for you that you have your own book that's just come out. Um, I know so many entrepreneurs talk about writing a book as like part of like their strategy to growing their business and to just um, share their information to people that maybe can't afford to do their one-to-one coaching or um, work with them in person. It just gives you like a whole new layer to your business that you're able to support people um, with with your book. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. Um, the book's name is Bounce Back Ability Factor. Tell me. Let's start with that. Like that's a super fun name. I love the name. How did you come up with it? So the bounce back ability factor, just the word bounce backable and bounce back ability came up when I was doing my first podcast, which you can no longer find anywhere on the internet because it has officially been deleted everywhere. But that podcast was called What Would Kate Say? And it was named that because my patients in Prague used to say that they would rather wear a bracelet that said, what would Kate say on it rather than, you know, the, what would Jesus do kind of thing? Because (laughs) 
whenever they had some sort of something going on in their lives and they would talk to each other, they would say, well, have you talked to Kate yet? What would Kate say? And so it became this sort of joke. So I made this really small podcast for my patients in Prague at the time. So we're talking, you know, maybe 100, 150 people. Like that was my entire audience and I, I was just creating for them. But I did a guest episode with my best friend and I said, you know, I just feel like people don't realize their own level of bounce back ability. And we both went, oh, bounce back ability. Let's think about that. And so up until I, you know, it took me two more years after that to write the book and bounce back ability was not the title at first. I wasn't sure what the title would be. And I kept reading through the book and thinking something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. And I, happened to listen to that old podcast episode because I was deleting the podcast off the internet. And I heard that word and I was like, holy shit, this has been the whole process for the past two years. Like this is it. So I went back through the entire book and wove in the theory of bounce back ability. Up until that point, I thought I made this word up little, I, I came to find out like through Amazon, maybe, maybe seriously about a month ago, the book has been written, it's been published, you know, all these things. But I just found out that somebody else has also used that word and like, has that too. 76. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of funny, but I thought I made it up, even though I didn't. And to me, bounce back ability is a combination of four things. And two of them will be really familiar. And two of them, for me in my life, were a little uncomfortable. The first one is resilience. The second is trust. The third is grit. And the fourth is surrender. Mm. These four components make up your ability to bounce back from no matter what happens. No matter what happens, your ability to bounce back, even when you're completely fried, crispy, burnt out. And it was really easy for me growing up in a low-income town, city, really small city, where I really felt like I had to prove my worth and get out of you know where I came from and all that kind of stuff. It was really easy for me to have the resilience and the grit. It was not yeah. so easy for me to have the trust and the surrender. It was really easy for me to overuse the resilience and the grit to the point of burnout and not rely on the trust and surrender that has become such a significant portion of my business as I grow. Yeah. Wow. I love that those are like the core components to it because we need to be resilient. We need to like trust ourselves and be okay with like doing the work, but also knowing when we've gone too far or when our body's like screaming at us, like, holy cow, slow down. You're burning out. Like you're exhausted. You're fried <laughs> as I love you use that word. Um, and it's so true. Like you have to be able to like take all of that in and see where it's going to take you. One of the things that I love that you had in the book was that you talked about when you are burnt out, that it's okay to sit in the muck and to give yourself some time and some space. Um, when you first realize that you're burned out, can you tell, a tell us a little bit more about like that sitting in the muck and what that looks yes, like? Yes. And I love this theory so much. And I think it's really funny because I threw this into the book because it's something that I tell patients and clients every single day. It's like one of those things that I'm sick of hearing myself say, you know, like I repeat yeah. it every damn day. And I threw it in there because I was like, well, I say this every day, it should be there. But to me, it was just like extra information. And when I had the advanced readers, which you were an advanced reader of the book, you know, when I had the advanced readers send me back their comments and their feedback, 
it was like 75% of people were like, oh my God, this concept of sitting in the muck, it gave me so much permission. I feel so validated. I feel like I don't have to push myself. Like, thank you so much for this theory. And I'm thinking that was like a threw it in because, you know, just for repetition's sake. Like, so people that have known me for a long time, when they read the book, they're like, oh yeah, I recognize that more than anything else. But sitting in the muck is this idea that you do not have to at all, under any circumstances, force a silver lining or a positive thought when you feel like crap. Yes. It's, it's as simple and as complicated as that because right now there is so much information on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn even now that if you just think positive, then you'll be able to fix it. If you shift your mindset, then you'll be able to change it. If you, if you, if you, and it has caused a huge amount of emotional repression because we think, oh, I had this thought, I had this feeling, but that's negative. So I'll get rid of it. And the thing is, my background in Chinese medicine taught me that there is no such thing as a negative emotion. No such thing. The only emotions that are negative are those that are ignored or repressed. As long as an emotion is transformed and expressed in some way, I'm not saying you have to scream at people every time you're angry. You could go for a run instead, you know, (laughs) but as long as an emotion is transformed and expressed, it is healthy and in fact necessary. Each of the organs in Chinese medicine requires an emotion to function well. But if that emotion is overused or underused, it's bad, overfelt or underfelt, it's bad. So it's not the emotion itself that's negative. It's how we use it. Hmm, that makes sense, yeah. So I didn't want people, I wanted people to be free from this idea that if their grandmother dies, they're supposed to find the silver lining within three days. Yeah. Like you're allowed to be sad. Yeah, you're allowed, you have to like sit with it and own it and, experience it and go through it. Cause I think so often, so many people tell us like, like, like you shared in the book, like get on with it. Like, um, everything will be okay. Um, um, what is that? Like, I don't know if you use the, like what, whatever God's given you, like oh, he'll be able to shut up. Like we're told all these things throughout our yes. whole entire life. And it's true. Like we can do all those things. And those are all things that are like nice to say, but all, sometimes they're said to us in moments when it's not the right time. We're not there right. yet. We're not ready. And I've always been somebody who needs to just sit with a lot of things. Like I need to sleep on things. I can't just respond and react immediately. Like I need to take my time and process what's going on. So that part really resonated with me, especially with like comparing it to burnout and being okay to like sit in that moment, sit in the muck and like experience all of those feels without like anybody pressuring me to move forward or to respond immediately. Like it's my, it's my body. It's my bounce back ability. Like I'm going to come back for sure. Just like it doesn't have to be tomorrow. Right. Exactly. And I think you said something that's really important. You said that, you know, it's a nice thing to say, but most often, even though the people that are saying it also believe on a conscious level that what they're doing is a kindness It's not really, if we dig into that behavior of telling everybody else, like, you're strong, you'll get through it, you'll be okay, everything's fine. 
when we do that to other people, we most of the time we do that because we are uncomfortable with their emotional state and we want them to feel better to, to alleviate our own discomfort. Yes. And it's not about us in that moment, no. right? So <laughs> but we're it's like, not even really a nice thing to do. I don't think, and I'm saying, you guys, anybody who's listening, I'm not saying that people are doing this consciously and with ill intent. I no, they mean it with the best. That the intent is 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 well intended. I know that people are trying to do something nice, but we have to understand that our own inability to sit in the muck kind of forces us to be the kind of nice people that say those nice things that don't allow the people around us to sit in the muck either. So we're all keeping each other's like shoes clean when really we should be in a little muddy. You know, like yeah. we're, we're all trying to like, oh, well, it's dirty over there. Well, you know what? Sometimes life is dirty. I don't know. You know, this says, you know, 20, after performing more than 25,000 acupuncture treatments as part of my bio, it's over 30,000 now. I haven't updated it, but I've talked to not 30,000 people because some people came in a hundred times over, you know, once a week over two years. Yeah. Some people I just knew longer, but I talked, I've had 30,000 conversations about other people's lives, at least. Then add the podcast and coaching clients and, and life and friendships and family and everything else. So at least 30,000 conversations about other people's lives. I have yet to meet a single person that has had it all great. Yeah. Everybody goes through stuff and we all keep pretending that we don't. Yeah. And it's so true because when you're walking down the street and you say hi to somebody and they ask how you're doing, we always say, oh, we're good. We're fine. Everything's great. Like could be happier. But then on the inside, we're like, well, did you really want to hear what's going on? Because we've had those experience, or maybe I just had this experience. Like I've even been at the grocery store and the checker asked how my day is. And I'm like, I kind of started telling them all the things that were going on and I was having a bad day and I was like, wait a minute, this person doesn't even care about these yeah. things. So I, I had to like stop myself. I'm like, okay, this person's not my psychiatrist. They're not going to fix me right now. Like, it's okay, darling. But, but we yeah. want, we want to be able to help people. And people ask right. those questions a lot of times because they're, they're going to get the surface layer response, right? They yeah. Know and it's the, the polite, nice thing to do, right? Yeah. Like that's what we're taught to say. If the rest of yep. the world sort of laughs that Americans do this. This is um, Americans get, get joked on for this mm -hmm. everywhere else in the world that we're, we're always like, everything's good because the rest of the world, they're like, yeah, it's all right. You know, like yeah. the, their typical response is more neutral than the typical American response. Yeah. Like they say things are fine, but they really mean like, fine. Like it's not, eh, you know, they don't embellish it at all. And we love to embellish it. And I would love to encourage people to because I think the other part of sitting in the muck that's, that is not in the book, but that I think is important. Most of the time, people that don't allow themselves to sit in the muck also don't allow themselves to experience joy. Mm, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Right. Because we are afraid if we go into the joy too much, it will change. But you know what, you guys, it's going to change. The joy will change because every emotion always changes. Nothing lasts. Emotions are, are not a static thing. They're a movable thing. So when you, I would love for you, when you feel crappy, to allow yourself to feel crappy in order to create space for when you feel fantastic, that you can really be in that and say, wow, this is really great. Yeah. This is really magical. 
Let me just feel this while it's here because I don't know how long this is going to last and I don't know what's coming next. But there's a lot of repressed joy and that's a problem. Yeah. It made me think too, when you were saying that, like so often we don't give ourselves space to sit in the muck and we try to fix things really quickly. And then we go back to like that happy state or where we feel like things are okay, but we don't really enjoy that either. Like we're almost already on to like something else, like, oh, something else is happening or, oh, we have 5 million things to do today. Like we need to do all the things. So I think it's important too, like to to make sure you're sitting in that joyful spot just as long as you're allowing yourself to sit in the muck and like accept what's come to you and be like, hold on to that and not feel like you have to already like be like ready for the next thing. Like just sit in both places and enjoy both of them for a little while and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We're, We're so busy. Like I feel like our world is so busy. Like we're just constantly go, go, go. But when we, I know like with the pandemic and everything that's happened, like so many of our lives have slowed down. So many of the things that we used to do, we don't do anymore. So I know for myself, like our schedules, like for the most part, it's pretty light. Like I don't have kids going to sports activities. I'm not going to networking events. Um, We're not leaving the house for anything. Like we don't do much. So it's given us the ability to have more quality time and to really enjoy the things that we do. Yeah. What have we done with that time? We filled it with more stuff to do so that we feel productive and accomplished. Probably, but I will say for myself, like, I feel like I have like sat back a little bit too and like taken it in and I'm like, all right, like when everything does open back up, which I'm in California and we're still pretty closed for the most part, um, like I'm going to be really conscious or cautious of what I say yes to, like that's going to and asking myself like that question, like you just mentioned, like joy, does this bring me joy? Kind of Marie Kondo, Kondo your life, Kondo my life, like doing things that I actually want to do, not just because I feel like I should, or I have to, or it's yeah. another thing because those it turns are the out things. we don't need to do all those things as we just learned over the past few months. Yeah. It turns out. Yeah. But a lot of those things are what allow burnout to show up, show up in our lives too. It's because yeah. we're so trained by society to go, go, go. And everybody gets in a re- reward um, and a trophy and like, we have to do all the things all the time. Like yeah. I think so many people, and I always, I hope, like, I feel like some of my clients and people that I've talked to, like everybody's like really reevaluating what the new normal is going to look like. And it doesn't have to look like what it did before. No, we can create it with intention for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to say that sitting in the muck doesn't always mean that if you get angry, you're supposed to like take five minutes and deal with it right then. You can let your body know that you'll take some time to sit in the muck between 9 and 9.15 p.m. before you go to bed or whatever it happens to be. Like you can, you can let your body know, listen, I know we're going to have to handle this. Right now, I need to finish my workday and get my kids fed. I don't have five minutes right now because we don't always have five minutes. That's okay. You just have to be sure to go back to it when you have a moment. Yeah. You know? And you can't always sit in your pajamas and watch Netflix all day either, right? <laughs> and if you need to do that once, some, sometimes... Yeah. Go ahead, but do it on purpose with intention, not by yeah. accident. And without do, guilt yes, that you exactly. should be doing all the things that you're not doing at that time. Like do exactly. it say like, I'm the afternoon off and I'm going to go curl up on the couch and read a book or watch Netflix yes. or take my, grab my kids and blow off work and school and go do something fun, like go to the beach or something. But exactly. Exactly. I love that you do, say, it, with do it with purpose and intention. Yeah. I like that. So you mentioned that one of the reasons that we burn out is that we are listening to other people's rules and not necessarily our own. Can you share a little bit more about um, 
how that shows up for us and how we can overcome that. Yeah. So other people's rules are, is a really good one because we don't re even realize that we do it. When I say other people, usually it's your family of origin, whatever that means to you, biological, non-biological, doesn't, doesn't really matter, but usually it's your family of origin. And this came up because my husband and I died laughing one day watching Sebastian Maniscalco, who is a comedian and he has an, a few Netflix specials and we were watching his first Netflix special and he was like, well, my father apparently gave me this whole rule book and I know how to do everything correct in the whole wide world. And it's just the rest of the world that's messing it up all the time. And it's much funnier than that. And if you, he's, he's hysterical, so you can go watch him. He's really good. But it started to think about that, how my family had a lot of rules about being considerate about other people, so much so that I forgot to consider myself. Hmm. And so when we follow these rules, like, you know, my parents taught me to always hold the door open for the person behind me. And my father, for instance, would get, he always woke up really early and didn't want to wake up the rest of the house. I grew up in a small apartment, you know, one bathroom, f three women and, and my husband. And, you know, we all had to figure out in the morning how to function. But my father wakes up naturally very early and he would shower, get up, shower, dress, leave the house immediately go out to breakfast with friends somewhere else so that he could sit down and enjoy his breakfast without making noise. And so when I went to college and I had roommates that would make noise after when I was either still in bed or had just gone to bed at night, I was like horrified because I didn't understand how you could be someone that would be so inconsiderate of someone else sleeping. And it wasn't really until I met my husband and I said to him one day, I was like, why are you banging around in here? Like I'm sleeping. And he was like, oh, I didn't realize it would wake you because his family, it, I mean, he grew up in a smaller apartment than I did also with four people in one bathroom. And that was never a concern because that's just not the way that they, that they functioned. They weren't, I'm not saying that they were like banging pots and pans around and throwing parades in the hallways just to bother people, but there wasn't, it was, we live in this house, I'm up, I, I need breakfast, like, so, sorry, you know, I, I can't adjust my whole day because one person out of four is sleeping. And it, it took me being married and being like, cause my husband is very considerate. So the fact that he wasn't considerate about that, I had to stop and like compute a little bit. But there's so many of these rules that we follow that, we don't realize whether or not the rules serve us. Yeah. And we just, we're, we, we grow up, we're impacted by our, the generations, right? Like before yeah. us. So what our parents learned and what the, our parents' parents taught them. And we have to like break those cycles sometimes. But yeah, we expect things certain ways. And when somebody else does something a totally different way, you're like, well, why would you do it that way? Like, this is how we've always done it. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, but what? Nobody, who cares? Like my mother folds towels a very specific way. And she folds towels a specific way because A, that's how they fit in her closet. And B, she owned a laundromat. My parents used to own a laundromat. And in order to fit clothes into those like clear plastic bags in two stacks so that they wouldn't fall over when she was doing other people's laundry, when she was doing wash, dry, fold, the towels yeah. had to be folded in a certain way in order to create the base that the rest of the clothes would sit on. I can see it in my head, you know, and I'm, I'm stacking it up in my head as, as we speak. And I like to roll towels and I didn't know that I liked to roll towels until I was like 34 because I never rolled a towel because I, I 
fold that it in four and then fold it in three because that, right because that's not how you fold a towel but yeah. I, I was in Warsaw and I was folding towels the way my mother taught me and they didn't fit in my cabinet and I was mad at the cabinet <laughs> instead of just changing how you do something and do right. it the way that feels good to you <laughs> right so how do we then as normal people who like fold towels certain ways and we do all of these different things our way, how do we adapt then to the world when things are done differently so that we don't allow that to burn us out and make us crazy? <laughs> well, the first thing is to realize just to have this knowledge that everyone got a different rule book and that nobody's going to do it the same way that you do it. And that's just okay. Like just let go of the fact that your way is the right way because apparently there's 7 billion correct ways yeah. to do things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the first thing is just realizing, having this realization that everybody got a different rule book and everybody does things a different way and that that's totally acceptable. That's number one. Number two is starting to keep track of like, especially for me, this, this is first evident for me always in household chores. Pay attention to which household chores irritate you the most, why they irritate you, and ask yourself if they have to be done that way. Mm -hmm. Just start getting curious about like, does this need to be done this way? Yeah. And just start asking the question. And as soon as you turn on that awareness, you'll start to pick stuff apart on your own. It'll happen quite naturally. And, and once you kind of do quite a few things in the house, you'll notice that there's a few things that you do when you're driving. And there's a few things you do when you're at the grocery store. And there's a few things, you know, I used to get really mad at people in grocery stores that didn't, my mother worked at a grocery store. So we were taught to put our grocery cart all the way to one side in case somebody else wanted to walk down the aisle while we were grabbing something which makes our grocery shopping 10 minutes longer than anybody else's because we always have to pull up, park, get the thing. But, you know, there's never a grab from the shelf and go. It's always yeah. a very organized system. And so when I would be going through the grocery store and somebody's in the middle of the aisle, I'm like, why is this person such a jerk? Like, why wouldn't you just pull over? But really, all that person requires is an excuse me. Yeah. I, like, I'm yeah. sitting there, like, expecting them to be looking for me and getting out of my way before I'm even there. Right. And when I could easily just say, oh, excuse me, people are never, I've never had somebody get mad at me in a grocery store for saying, excuse me. Yeah. But, but we're been, hold, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And we're holding on to that like tension, right? Like we're letting yeah. something so simple get yes. us kind of like fiery. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, and those are like all those little teeny things though are what build up to the burnout. It's exactly. not like it's um, a, like, it, and I know this is true for me, like big things don't usually bother me, but little things, like I'll get mad about the stupidest little things, like, especially at home, like with my spouse and like those type things, like, I'm like, why am I mad about this? Like, this is, it doesn't even matter in like the big scheme of life. And then big things, I'm like, totally roll it over my shoulder. It's okay. It's fine. Like, we'll get through this. We got this, but it's those little things that we hold on to. And I think that's like, it's like building blocks like, yeah. Like, well, like you said, it's for the burnout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all these little fires that turn into a bonfire one day and you're like, Oh no, that just turned into a bonfire. <laughs> like that is not what was supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. Little teeny issue. And I think I've noticed too, like women burn out so much faster. Um, yeah. and, I, and you mentioned in the book that women wear it as a badge of honor when they're like, 
super busy and when we're burnt out almost like we're like oh yeah and like things are great we're really busy and we're doing all these things um what is the difference do you think between men and women when it comes to burnout just curious so, have, you, have you read dr valerie reen's patriarchy stress disorder i have yeah. not okay it's another great book and in her book she talks about the fact that the fact that we are in this system where it is basically required and maybe you are the outlier. I know my husband does a ton of things at home. You know, I, I know that this is shifting. However, the majority is still that the woman does the majority of housework. Children, chores, housework is being done by women most of the time. Yeah. And this idea that we have, you know, all these extra lists that we're taking care of and all these extra things that we're monitoring. We're monitoring the refrigerators. We're monitoring the pantries. We're monitoring the laundry. We're monitoring the, is just, it gets overwhelming. So we burn out because there's a lot more small things on our list, but men burn out as well. And the patriarchal system doesn't really work for them either. We like to say, oh, well, the white male privilege and look at all these things that they can do and they can get. But the thing that comes along with that is there's a massive expectation on men to be breadwinners. Even still, I know there are women that make more and there are men that stay yeah. home. And I know that there are outliers. However, the system tells men subconsciously propaganda their whole entire lives through every TV show and every movie and everything that their job yeah. is to keep their, fam their families financially stable and to keep everyone mm -hmm. in their homes safe. Yeah, no, I completely, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's such a massive responsibility. So men are burning out yeah. because they don't feel like they can follow their passions because they have to keep this high paying job because they have to be the ones to provide financial support for their families. And women are, women are burning out because they have to look at the laundry and the groceries and the, and the, and the, and the, and the. So it's yeah. different things. So I write to female entrepreneurs in this book because I wrote this book as a female entrepreneur and because I've never been anything but a female entrepreneur. But that does yeah. not mean that men don't burn out, you know, and it doesn't yeah. mean that men don't need support as well. It's just a different, it's a different angle. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with what you said too. Like when men burn out, it's, it's these big, huge responsibilities. It's like boulders yeah. on their shoulders yeah. where a lot of times with women, it's like a bunch of pebbles, right? Like they just build up and stack a up. A lot of rocks. Like, you can't handle it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's such an interesting way to look at it too, because we, we all can burn out with different things. We just have of course. so many different like social expectations of what things should be. And I talk yeah. about like in my community all the time, like the things that we feel like we should be doing, like those things we don't have to do. Like they don't, we can break that normal cycle. We can change things so that our children see the generational patterns different. Shifting. And they are shifting right now. Like I really would like to oh, recognize yeah. the fact that they are shifting right now, but there are still a multitude of what I like to call unspoken agreements. Yeah. Like you, when you met your partner and you moved in together and you unloaded the dishwasher three times in a row. So your partner stopped looking at the dishwasher. <laughs> and because that's what mad. our brains do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But our brains do that on purpose. Like our, your brain is supposed to eliminate anything that's not necessary. That's its job. So yeah. if you did the laundry every day for seven years and then you're pissed that they don't notice that the laundry needs to be done, it's not their fault. Their brain literally could not see it. Their brain eliminated that completely from view. Yeah. 
because yeah. that's what your brain does in order to stay efficient. Yeah, and they were, and they're probably focused on something else. Yeah, but we you don't know that exactly. because we're too like. But you didn't exactly. do this. Exactly. <laughs> so. so the the only way to break through unspoken agreements is to speak them out loud. Yes. Yeah, and I think that open communication line is would solve so many problems. Too yeah. many of us. If and, we can learn to do it without being passive aggressive. Yes. And just speak from the heart and not feel like we're like telling. Well, them didn't you notice that the dishes needed to be taken out? Yeah. Well, like that that's not that. The, t the tone is horrible, right? When you get yeah. like, when we get in that nasty place where we're just yeah. like, well, where the heck have you been? Cause you sure yeah. as heck aren't here with me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of being like, listen, I had, um, a client and her boyfriend sit down and start an unspoken agreements list. And she started, <laughs> they, they both wrote separate lists and then came together and both of their lists were equally as long. And the other person was sort of assuming that the other, that their partner wasn't going to have anything on their list. Like, cause I do, I take care of all the things in the house. And then all of a sudden it turned out that this and this and this and this and this and this was getting done. I, I think, I think you expect me to this and this and this and yeah. this and this and this and this. And they sat side by side and they were like, Oh, and I said, well, now is your choice. Do you want to trade any of those items? And they were both like, no, <laughs> I'll do my, I'll do my list. Like, I'm cool. We forget how many things there really are though, right? Like There's, to run Because, and we're supposed family. to, right? Our brain yeah. does that on purpose to stay efficient. That's normal. Yeah. I didn't notice for years that my husband is the one that always checks my dog's bowl at the end of the night. My dog always has water when we go to bed because my husband checks her water. Yeah. I have never checked it at night. Never. I don't even think about it because my brain has eliminated that because my husband does it. Yeah. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and if we're not paying attention to like every single minute little teeny detail, we forget about like the other half of the stuff that gets done around the house that like, it's like the fairy godmother didn't just come in and like wave her magic wand and you're like, Oh, everything's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. No, I love that. So I work with my clients on sharing their story and knowing like what stories um, they want to share to like share with their brand or to share with their community as part of like their blog posts and all those different things. And one of the things that stood out to me in the book was you shared a story about being dumped by your mentor yes. and how it took you two years before you could even share that story because of all the feelings and the emotions that come up with that. And one of my favorite quotes is by Brene Brown, which is um, share from the scar, not the wound. Yeah. And it totally reminded me of just what I teach with my clients and stuff. And, but it made me super curious, like for you, how was it that you got to a place where you could share that story without getting like all the feels and the emotions that came up for, for you during that time? For me, it was allowing myself to sit in the muck. Yeah. That's it. That's really the whole thing. I allowed myself to, to feel it. And when I told the story, when I, I told the story a few times over the course of years, because, you know, I have a lot of colleagues in the same profession and yeah. they would come across and say, Oh, you know, I thought you and so-and-so were really close. And I'd say, well, there's a backstory. And I would hear myself and I would feel what came up and I would have to go at the end of the day and sort of sift through it a little bit. And so I did that over and over. not every day, you know, I didn't tell this story constantly. I told it maybe two or three times a year, but 
you know, you tell it and you're like, wow, I'm still, I still feel angry when I say that. Okay. Is there another layer I can let go of? And I did rituals, you know, I, I wrote forgiveness letters and releasing letters and I did meditations of uh, like cord cuttings and I did all sorts of different rituals to help me through it, but I didn't rush it. And it really did take two years. So that's why I feel like, you know, when people are like, yeah, but that relationship, even if it's a, you know, this was obviously not a romantic relationship, but if this romantic relationship ended five years ago, like I shouldn't be sad anymore. I'm like, there's not really a great, there's no timeline that's supposed to work for everybody. I knew this person for just a couple of years and they were a teacher to me. So like it shouldn't, technically on the outside shouldn't have been so severe, but it was. But it was to you. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't until I, I was telling the story one day and I could hear the emotion that was always, that was usually there, but it felt like I was faking it. It felt like I was putting on a show to tell this story with the emotion for someone else so that they could understand what I had felt at the time. And I realized at that moment that I didn't feel, I didn't actually feel that anymore. But Mm -hmm. oftentimes we don't realize that when we get to that point, we're allowed to still tell the story without the emotional addition. So we hold on to the emotions in order to be able to be righteous in our emotional reactions and to (laughs) share that with people in a powerful way, instead of being like, wow, this is something that happened to me. This was how I felt about it. And now it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I've always defined that time in between when you're in the story is like, you know, that like the waiting time where you're in the waiting room and you're, you're not quite ready to share yet, or you still get emotional or your stomach gets like super nervous and upset. Like, and you're, you don't want to offend somebody or say something that's going to hurt somebody else. But um, it's like that transition from point A to point B when you're telling your story. But I love that now I can add to like my toolbox that we're just sitting in the muck. Like it's okay to sit in this muck. And I think it's so important because I know a lot of my clients when they're looking at sharing their story to build their personal brand, they're afraid to share a lot of the stories they have. Like they'll make this huge brain dump list of all the things that have ever happened in their life. And they're like, well, I can't tell that. I can't tell that. Definitely not telling this one. And that's fine because a lot of times, like there's so many stories that we all have like from our childhood, our teen years, our adult years that are just not stories we're ever going to use for our brand and for building our business because they're just, they're not relevant. Yeah. But the ones that are relevant when you're ready, you'll know it and you'll be able to tell that. So I love that it took you two years to like get to a point where you could like really feel like, oh, I'm actually ready to share this without like feeling all the things that were coming up for you during that. I think it's so important and it shows so much of who we are as people and how we grow you know, sometimes it's two weeks or two days or two months, two years. Sometimes it's 20 years before, like when I talk, um, about losing my mom, um, a lot on podcasts and different things like that. And I couldn't do that for a long time. And still there's certain days where I can only tell like this much of the story because I can, I'm listening to my body and I'm feeling into it and I can tell this much where other days, like I'll, I'll go really deep in a conversation. I'm like, Holy crap. Like, I can't believe I was okay sharing that much today. Like I felt really good sharing that and like remembering some of those things. So I think it's important that we, you know, we do our little, allow ourselves to sit in the muck and like that we pay attention to like what we're feeling. Yeah. And what you just said is really, really, really important because it, it is a testament to the power of the person that you're sharing space with. Yeah. 
right? Because people can create space that feels safe for you and yes. people can create space that feels less safe for you. So in those moments, sometimes your body is a little bit stronger, but sometimes it's just that, you know, the other person is safe and your yeah. body feels that. And that's yeah. an important, that's an important distinction I think to make. I like that you said that. Yeah. And it's true because there are certain people where you're like, your guard might be up and you're yeah, like, cool. ah, this is a story for another day or another person, not exactly. for today. Yeah, or there's exactly. other times where you can just build those connections and feel so connected to somebody that like you'll share so much more than you would with somebody else. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kate, this is so fun. I could legitimately talk to you about burnout all day long because <laughs> We have a whole podcast episode about mine, which people yeah. should go and listen to um, over on the fried <laughs> podcast. But um, as we kind of wrap things up, if you could like summarize what you really want people to take away from the book, what's like that short little thing that you would say to people that they would walk away with so that they can make an impact in their life and have more joy? Burnout is not your fault. You are bounce backable. Burnout is not your fault. You are bounce backable. Burnout is not your fault. You are bounce backable over and over and over and over again. I really want people to take away most from this book the statement that burnout is just not your fault. It's a series of habits and choices and cultures and a million other things that is your responsibility to deal with, unfortunately, because that's what happens. But it, you didn't do this to yourself. You didn't manifest it. You didn't create it. Yeah. It happened. And now it's time to move on. Hmm. So good. So it is not your fault. <laughs> if you're listening to this, make sure you remember that. Words <laughs> to Live By by Kate. And yeah, so people need to get this book. Where do they find the book? When is it released? Um, this episode's going to be going live within the next couple of weeks. So tell us where they can find you to get their hands on it and make sure they take back their life and have no more burnout, <laughs> or at least they know how to handle it. So I have learned that when you search bounce back ability in Amazon, now there's only a couple of options and mine is popping up at top on top. So Yay. as of September 14th, you can order the paperback or you can order the Kindle and they will be, it will be fully available at that time. Um, so you just the bounce back ability factor, Caitlin Donovan, and it should pop up on Amazon. So that would be really easy to find. And um, I am having a lot of really good conversations around the book on Instagram. And in the back of the book, once you buy it, there is a link to a Facebook group in case you feel like you need some support and some community around feeling bounce backable and feeling empowered. Yes. I love that you have a community to bring people together because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk and people wanting to talk through some of the things that have come up for them as they go through the book. And I know you have so many exercises in the book as well that people will be able to like implement things right away to start to take away some of that stress and overwhelm and burnout um, and move forward through that. And I know you have a free gift for everybody as well. Can you tell everybody what that is? Yes, uh, there is a freebie that I created called Living Your Core Values. And it is actually the first exercise from the book. And we put it in a PDF form so that you can download and fill it out. And living, living your core values is just this exercise that kind of helps you break down other people's rules 
that we were talking about before, if you figure out what your true values are, you can really easily create a priority system and create rules to live by for yourself that are really in alignment with who you are and what you need. So that's at katedonovan.com forward slash freebie dash values, I think. That'll be in the show notes. I don't even know. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, (laughs) down below if um, to grab that. And um, in September, I'm doing a fun giveaway with the podcast where um, when you leave a review of your authentic opinion of Attract and Stand Out, the podcast, um, you will also be entered into a raffle to win a few of my favorite things. And one of those items is going to be Kate's book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor. So make sure you leave a review, um, preferably on Apple or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast episodes. Um, those ratings help so much with getting me seen in front of other people who have not found the show yet. So help me get noticed and get more people to um, learn stories of entrepreneurs on the journey to create a business and life of freedom for themselves. Kate, thank you so much for being on. It was such a fun conversation. And I know just from reading the book myself that um, I'm already starting to notice that I'm implementing some of these techniques and tools that you have in the book. So I know so many women, female entrepreneurs, men, whoever grabs the book, like they're going to be able to implement things right away and start taking some of their life back and stop having so much of their life in that like place where they're feeling exhausted and burnt out. And they're going to be able to make changes to really increase their lives and their families. But I'm crossing my fingers back here because I really, I really, really hope for that. I really wanted my work to be available to thousands and thousands of people because I feel like there's some things in there that will really just make things easier for people. So I'm crossing my fingers and my toes and my legs and my eyes and all the things (laughs) So thank you for saying that. I'm so excited. Thank you again for having me. It's such a joy always to talk to you. Yes, you too, Kate. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you love the show, leave a review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. It would mean the world to me. As a special thank you, I want to offer you a free gift, my Uncover Your Niche workbook and video training that helps you become unforgettable to your audience. You can sign up at darlingholly.com. I look forward to seeing you all next week. In the meantime, have an amazing week and we will talk soon.